All right, Mark chapter 16, verse 15. I'm reading out the New Living Translation. This is uh, obviously after Jesus uh, had died and was resurrected. He had rose from the dead and he appeared to his disciples. And it says this in, in Mark 16, 15. And then he told them, him being Jesus, and then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our time uh, in your presence tonight, for the awesome time of worship. We believe, Lord, in prayer that we're not just praying vain prayers. Our words are just not going up to the ceiling, but we believe that, Lord God, that, that uh, the, the uh, effective prayer of a righteous man has, uh, is powerful and produces wonderful results. We believe that what's happening already, what's happened here tonight, is going to produce results in us personally and, and throughout our church families and community. And I fall as we dive into your word, open up our eyes, our hearts, our minds to receive your word. I pray that there would be clarity both for me, for the people hearing, that we all be encouraged, equipped, and strengthened, Lord God. And, and Lord God, just uh, uh, encouraged again, just convicted to go forward. Give us the grace, Lord God, to do what you've called and ordained us to do. Holy Spirit, help me to teach. I, I bind up every bit of distraction, any plan of the enemy. We take authority over this service tonight. In Jesus' name, we pray. Have your way. May it produce fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. So as Jesus tells his disciples, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone, we see that this was clear instruction to his disciples, right? How many of y'all know this was not a suggestion, it was a clear instruction? You could even go as far as saying that it was a mandate. How many of y'all know what a mandate is? It was a mandate for, for those disciples and every disciple after. The word mandate simply means uh, it, it's an instruction or a command uh, authoritative instruction or command, and it also means to make mandatory, right? That's what it means. It means to make mandatory. So you see, the Apostle Paul understood this as a mandate. If you look in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, he says this, but my life is worth nothing to me unless it is for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Amen. See, from this language Paul's using, you can tell he truly understood and was motivated by his mandate. Amen. He knew, he said, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it, unless I use my life to finish the work, to do the work that the Lord has assigned to me. Again, an assignment an instruction. You see that Paul understood clearly what the Lord wanted him to do. And it was the work of telling others to, about the good news, the wonderful grace of God. So it was not only the early disciples mandate or Paul's mandate, but it's also our mandate. How many of y'all believe that? If we are a born again believer or if we are Christians that have given our lives to the Lord, it is our mandate as well. And so, so tonight, you know, as Pastor Todd started on Sunday, Pastor Todd talked talk about it. Uh, it is your business. And he, he began to, to encourage us about sharing our faith, sharing the gospel with others. And, and then specifically, not this Sunday, but the next, inviting people to our Easter service. Amen. So I'm going to just continue in that vein tonight. 
uh, and, and mainly talking about our mandate, why you know, we're, we're, we're Pastor Todd and why we're asking you to do this is I don't want you to look at this like really this Easter campaign we're calling it as just to go out and do it because your pastor's asking you to do it. Amen. But it is a mandate from us. It, it, am I ringing in here? I feel like I'm kind of in a barrel. Okay. Um, and so that's what I want to try to encourage you. And then Sunday, Pastor Todd is going to give you some more practical steps on how to do this. But I really want to just focus on this. This is our mandate. We can see that. You can see that Matthew go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Here in, in Mark, all through the New Testament, it says work hard at telling others uh, uh, the good news. And I'm going to show a few other things. But there's a problem. There's a problem. See, not everyone sees it the way that Paul sees it. And that's why Jesus prayed this prayer in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 37. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. See, the harvest is the multitude of lost people that don't know the Lord. And Jesus urges his disciples, which is us, to pray that God would send more workers into the, 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 the harvest fields. So there's obviously a shortage if, if, if Jesus is saying that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Are y'all tracking with me? Is that right? So that, the, the, the problem is, is that we all have a mandate in our life, but Jesus was saying, listen, there's only few people that's carrying out that mandate. So we need to pray that more people would be sent. And it's good that we pray. We were talking, me and Pastor Todd talking about this today. It's awesome to pray for our souls. We need to pray. We're going to have a time of prayer and fasting, by the way, next week, three days of prayer and fasting. And one of the main focuses on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of next week is to pray for lost souls to get saved at the Easter service. Amen. We need to pray this. Eyes be open that Christ is revealed. That is a great thing to pray. But honestly, I think a lot of times, I know I'm guilty, a lot of times we pray for souls to be saved, but very little pray that more workers would go into the harvest fields to help souls get saved. Is it just me or is it you too? I mean, a lot of times we miss that. And it's biblical to, to pray to the Lord of the harvest. Jesus was saying that God the Father is the Lord of the harvest and that there's obviously a shortage, so we need to pray. And that's what I pray tonight, that tonight, if, if you haven't, and maybe you haven't, maybe you've taken those cards and we'll talk about that a little bit tonight. Maybe you've already invited people. and Maybe you share your faith on a daily basis, and that's awesome. But if you don't, I want to encourage you tonight that you would, I, I, I pray that you fully understand and, and that you're motivated to live out your mandate that's on your life. Amen? So I just want to give you three, three very, very practical things to, to live out your mandate. Of course, there's so many other things. Again, Pastor Todd is going to get into more detail on how to do this on Sunday. But I, again, I just want us to embrace to be to be motivated because it's easy to say go do something, but if you're not motivated by it, right? Like like my my son. Those of y'all that have children, you understand. Children are not that motivated to do chores. Have you noticed that? They're not that motivated. And and as a kid, I was not motivated as as either, right? But it's funny how I can, you know, tell my son that, man, we're, I try to give him a heads up like, hey, we're cutting the grass tomorrow. So prepare yourself. When you get home from school or Saturday, we're cutting the grass, okay? And he's just like, oh, man, you could have sworn I'm like pulling teeth, you know? And it's just like, I'm trying to give him. But, you know, there's a motivation. Hey, as soon as you're done, you know, you can go play Madden or, you know, we're going to go to, as soon as we get this done, we're going to go to your friends and you can shoot basketball. You, you notice how they're motivated to do the chores a lot more, right? 
So, so again, and, 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 and using that analogy, this might seem like a chore to you. So I'm hoping another, another thing tonight I'm praying is that not only are you motivated, but no longer just look at it as a chore or something I have to do, but something that I, I, I want to do. Amen. Amen. So number one, one of the ways that you can live out your mandate is that you first have to embrace it. Again, you have to embrace your mandate. Look, look what it says in Acts 20, 24. Again, I just, I just read it. But he said, Paul said, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Obviously, again, Paul understood and he embraced this mandate on his life. He embraced it. He said, okay, this is what the Lord wants me to do. And if you remember the story of Paul, he was actually trained. Bible history tells us that, that he was trained to be a Pharisee. Like he was going to be in the Jewish sect. He was going to be working his way up to be maybe even the high priest one day. And, and you know what? When God got a hold of him, he, he put a different mandate on his life. He said, God assigned me to tell people about the good news. And he was messed up after that. He couldn't do anything else. Now, what's encouraging, you know, is that, remember, Paul was a tent maker, too. He says all through the New Testament that I never asked y'all for money, for food. I worked all day and basically still preached the gospel. You, you're tracking with me. If you read, if you haven't, I want to encourage you to read through, like, the New Testament and Acts and Paul's, you know, writings. He still had to work. He, he was in what we call a... Uh, 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 bivocational ministry. <laughs> and so he had to work. He was still a tent maker. He had to do, I know all of you out there, you have to still work. You got to get up and go to work every day, but there's still a mandate on your life. Amen. And I know you might look at me and say, yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this for a living now, but I, I understand because I, I was saved for like three and a half, four years before this was ever my full-time job. Right. Before I was a youth pastor, and, and, and I know that mandate was still on my life. And matter of fact, I tell people that, and it was awesome, because now working at church, I have to work even harder. I loved it whenever I, I was a painter, because I was around lost people every single day. I'd ride in a truck with them to the job. Sometimes we'd ride, I'd go out of town, and I'd get to talk to them. I'd work with them. You know, and so just like Paul, he understood that, yeah, he had to make a living. He had to pay bills and eat, but there was still a mandate on his life. He had embraced it. You know, maybe you've never looked at your work, your gym, or your neighborhood as a mission field before. But now's the time to start. You heard Pastor Todd say Sunday that there's a guy at the gym he's been building a relationship with. You know, he sees the gym as a mission field. He sees everywhere we go as a mission field. I remember it hit me the first gym membership I've ever had in, in Scott. And some of y'all might have heard me say that, but I was just, I was just happy that I had a gym membership. I remember I was running on the treadmill and I was listening to some Christian hip hop and, and the song was about evangelism and encouraging, you know, you to get out there and share your faith. And I remember just thanking the Lord, like, man, this is so awesome that, you know, I got this gym membership and, and it was always cool. You know, you're always just like, man, that's cool, you know, to like go to a gym, you know, but I couldn't afford it before. And so I was, running on the treadmill, just like, I'm like the cool people now. I'm at the gym, you know? And so I'm, I thought it was just like, I just thought it was a blessing. It was, it was, it was before a $10 membership, you know? So I, I just got to where I couldn't afford it. And I remember the Lord speaking to me as I was listening to it and just the, the song was about send me, I'll go, you know? And, and the Lord said, yeah, I didn't only bless you for this gym membership for you to exercise, but this is your mission field. And it was just like, man, it was one of those where, you know, you heard from the Lord and like I probably could have been on America's Funnest videos. Like I missed a couple of steps probably, you know, and, 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 you know, but it was like, man, he, even that is like, okay, let me start seeing it. And I was able to build a couple of relationships with some guys in there. Cause I, I changed my view of the Lord placed the mandate on me specifically for that place. Amen. 
And it changed my view. Yeah, I got to go get my workout on and stuff. But man, I was able to build a couple of relationships and talk to, the, to people, share my faith with, with a couple of people. And it was, it was awesome, right? So maybe you've never looked at it that way before. But listen, God holds us more, most responsible for people that we're already in relationship with. So I'm going to kind of back up a little bit and say that, you know, obviously your workplace your neighbors and all of that. But, you know, this card, if you haven't picked up this card yet, or, or if you didn't get one, if you wasn't here Sunday, let me say that. If you weren't here Sunday, we handed out this card. Now, there's some more on your way out. You can grab one of these cards, and I'll just explain it real quick. This is called the Three Circle Invite for Easter, but I'm going to just talk about it personally, too. And it's family and friends, coworkers and neighbors, someone you don't know. And it comes from the scripture where Jesus says, go into all the world and, and preach the gospel in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so it's a three-circle invite. So the first thing is family and friends. So I heard somebody say, use this scripture like this before, go into all the world. Well, your world is your, your first level of your world is your sphere of influence. So we say, well, man, I ain't got the money or time to go to Africa or Guatemala. Well, that's all right. Be influential in the world you're in right now, in your first circle, your family and your friends. And then what I was just talking about, like at the gym or at work or your neighbors across the street, you know, my, me and my wife sit on the front row Sunday. We've both been praying about and talking about there's a young couple that lives right across the street from my house that we've met and talked to a couple of times. Like, man, that's, that's, that's a couple we're targeting to invite them to the Easter service, right? And it's like, so these people, it's, missions are great. I'm all about missions. I love that we are a mission-minded church. When I was a youth pastor, I'd take youth down on missions every year and absolutely loved it. But we don't have to leave our neighborhood to be on the mission field. It's just a matter of changing our perspective, amen? A matter of understanding, like, the mandate that's on my life, yes, could be for Guatemala, could be for China, or anywhere that you're hard. I, I encourage you, if you've never been on foreign missions, go on a mission trip, at least one. I always encourage Christians to do that. But it can be local missions at your job tomorrow morning, right? Or tonight, if you go to a restaurant. It's amazing how just having the mindset, you know. So anyway, this helps. Going back, this three-circle invite, I don't think I finished. Three Circle Invite pastors how to encourage us, and he'll talk about it again on Sunday, to write some names of some family and friends you want to see saved or you want to invite to Easter, right? And you pray for them, and then coworkers and neighbors, and then maybe someone that you don't know. Just ask the Lord, maybe right in there, Lord, just give me a divine, you know, a conversation with someone. Lead me, direct me to someone that I've never met before, but, and I'm going to talk about this in a, in a minute. Actually, it's actually my next point. That worked out good. Make the most of every opportunity is the next thing. Make the most of every opportunity. Colossians 4, 5 and 6 says this. Live wisely amongst those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. So let me go back to this last circle in, 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 uh, in accordance with this scripture. Make the most of every opportunity or really all three circles. When you When you're... You know, you might have a, a, a lost spouse. You might have lost children. You might have, you know, lost family members you're in contact with all the time, lost coworkers, people that don't know the Lord. Make the most of every opportunity. That, now, I'm not saying, again, hear me out. I'm not saying that, you know, every second of the day you got to be preaching to that person. Do your job. Let me make that clear, right? Some of the great, greatest witness that you can be on your job is that you're doing your job well, that you're on time, that you're not riding the clock. Amen. That, you know, I'm telling you, before I got saved, I used to ride the clock. Our 15-minute breaks would turn into 30 and 35-minute breaks, longer than even our lunches. I'm guilty. I'm confessing, right? But after I got saved, I realized that's not honoring to the Lord. 
And I'm, I'm lying. I'm cheating my boss out of this time. I'm suppo- he's given us 15 minutes, but he's not on the job. He went somewhere else. I was in construction, and he wasn't there. But you know what? At 15 minutes, I'd get up and start work. Hey, man, where you, where you going? And my friends would be, what's, what's going on? What you doing? Man, why? I'm going back to work. They didn't understand it. So let me just, that's a side note. Do your job well, but you, when you have the opportunity, like this last circle, someone you don't know, you might be going about your day. And, you know, there's an opportunity. The Lord might present you with an opportunity. And, man, make the most of it. Like Pastor Todd says, have your spiritual antennas open and make the most of every opportunity you have to share Christ. Again, and that could be by your, your, your words or just your actions, right? Just how you treat people. Just smiling to, at people sometimes, right? Just a kind response to, to people sometimes is a witness to them, Right? And so make the most of every opportunity. Now, listen, the, the King James Version says it like this. I like how the breakdown is. The King James Version says redeeming the time, redeeming the time. And now this is what that phrase means. Like in the original language, it, it, the Apostle Paul uh, was saying buying back every precious wasted minute. He understood that God was, has made us stewards over the most irreplaceable possession, and that is time, Right? We are to be good stewards of our time, using it wisely, constructively, and creatively. That's what he says by making the most of every opportunity, redeeming the time. Like, hey, man, because the truth is, when we're talking about sharing the gospel, we don't have a lot of time left. And we don't know how much time's left, right? So we got to make the most of our time. We have to make the most of every single opportunity. Now, Again, this can be in words and actions. Now, 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 getting into a little bit of the detail of it before I go any further, because I know the word mandate could maybe be a strong word. And so I like, just my mandate. I'm going to carry this thing out. I'm going to get it done. And that's good if you have that. But do it in a way that the scriptures say to do it. Look, look how it says to make the most of your time. But look what it says in verse six. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. So Paul gives us a little insight on when you're making the most of your time, when you're around non-believers. One of the wisest things you can do is when you're speaking to them, let your conversation be gracious and attractive. In other words, if you're having a conversation with a non-believer, hopefully they walk away saying, man, I really enjoy talking to him. And I can't wait till I run into him again. Or man, I look forward to, to talking to him tomorrow. The last thing we want is for people to say, man, I hope I never talk to that dude again. <laughs> Like, and that, I'm going to avoid that guy when I'm at work, you know? Like, that dude was weird, man. He kept talking about the Hebrew and the Greek and hermeneutics and that, you know, he, you know what I mean? All those things are great, but like, when you're talking to somebody that don't know the Lord, you know, one, be gracious to them. Again, remember, don't expect lost people to act saved until they are. And then some saved people don't even act saved. I've said that. That's another, that's a whole other sermon right there, right? But, but I'm serious, like be gracious. I, I heard a story years ago about a guy that was witnessing to someone and as he was witnessing to him, the guy started cursing and dropping the F-bomb and the guy witnessing said, oh man, I'm done, I'm done. And he walked away. Well, why are you done? The guy's lost. The guy don't know the Lord. That's how I used to talk before I got saved, right? You know, so it's like we got to be gracious and let our, I love it, put it back up, Doug, if you don't mind. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive 
so that you have the right response for everyone. So it's just a little insight. We, we, we need to be gracious. Our speech should be attractive. It, it, we should be attracting people, not to necessarily to ourselves, but to the light, right? We are the light of the world, right? Just as a bug is attracted to a light, although, the, you know, the bug gets zapped whenever that happens. But in our case, they don't get killed, they get life, right? Right? So let us be attracting. Again, Pastor Tal is going to break down some more practical ways. And so let me add one more to this. The word compassion. Earlier I read about Jesus and when he said that the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. Let me read the verse right before that. Listen what it says. This was Jesus' motivation. When he said, hey, we need more workers to go out into the fields. This is the kind of workers he wants in the fields. The workers that are going to be like him. And this is what it says in Matthew 9, 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He was compassionate to them. So listen, our mandate must be fueled by compassion. Our mandate must be fueled by compassion for a lost, confused, helpless, and hurting world. Amen? See, because when you're compassionate with someone then it's, it's easy to be gracious with them, right? It's easy to, to, be, to, to, to be attractive you know, in your speech and in what you say and how you treat them because they can tell that you're truly concerned for them. Yes, we have a mandate. Yes, we want them saved. They need to know the Lord, but we need to be compassionate. That's the thing. You know, man, Jesus was super compassionate. I love it. I, you know, you've probably heard me say it a hundred times, but I love how when, you, when I heard a pastor say this years ago, when you look through the New Testament and the miracles, every time it says Jesus had compassion on somebody, something supernatural happened. Either somebody got saved, food multiplied, people got healed, but it all was birthed out of compassion. See, sometimes as soul winners, you know, Pastor Todd talking about Sonny being wise. He who wins souls is wise. we got to use wisdom. we got to do all that. But sometimes we're not effective soul winners because the motivation is not compassion. So it needs to be compassion because our shepherd, our Lord, our master was compassionate, right? So he says that, you know, he was compassionate. Then he said, look, the harvest is plentiful and his heart was breaking. As I think about that now, he must have been looking at a, a multitude of lost souls with a broken heart, just, you know, just grieved over them. And he said, look at the harvest, y'all. It's plentiful. But man, the workers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest that he sends out workers. But you know what? I believe he wants workers after his own kind that are compassionate, that are gracious. That is like Paul. You see, Paul got the mandate. You know what Paul said? Why he did everything he did? He said, the love of Christ compels me. It wasn't because I have to, which leads to my last point. He says, it's the love of Christ that compels me to do what I do. It's the compassion and love of Christ. which leads me to the last thing. It's realized that this mandate is also a privilege. Amen. This mandate is also a privilege. Ephesians 3, 7 says this, but God's grace, I'm sorry, by God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege, listen to this, given the privilege by him of serving him by spreading the good news. I chopped that up. Let me say it again. I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading the good news. Did you know that Paul considered it a privilege to be under this mandate? It wasn't a burden. It wasn't weighty. It wasn't something that I have to do. Man, this is a privilege. God has entrusted me. Man, you follow that. You follow the disciples through, through the New Testament. They even they, this was so awesome. They they were preaching the gospel one time. They got beaten. 
When they left the temple after getting beaten and flogged, backs ripped open, bloodied, all probably bruised. When they left the temple, it didn't say they were mad. They were complaining. They were saying, God, why me? They said they were rejoicing because they considered themselves, the Lord considered them worthy to suffer for him. They considered it a privilege to suffer for Christ. It's like, man, we're rejoicing. God considered us worthy. Man, what a privilege that we can suffer for the Lord. What a privilege that God has entrusted the gospel, the only way to get to heaven, the only way to eternity. He hasn't even entrusted this to the angels, but he has entrusted this mandate to us. Isn't that a privilege? Isn't that awesome? It's an honor and a privilege. We got to realize that not only is this a mandate, but it's a privilege. And, and, and I'll share this. I got convicted a couple years ago, and because you know, a big part of my mandate now is 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 full time ministry. Obviously, I work here at the church, and so you know, and 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 you know, at first it wasn't it wasn't a big deal. I guess I didn't think it was a big deal, and, and I it, maybe it was a big deal, and then the Lord showed me. But just in my wording, you know, because uh, again, like a day like today, it, it's a Wednesday. We're here at the office. We have meetings, and then I'm preparing, and I knew I was preaching and everything. And so, like when I'd be talking to somebody, talking to my wife, like, "Hey, what's your week like? What you doing?" I was like, "Well, you know, today I got a ten o'clock, and maybe a one o'clock, uh, and then I have to preach tonight." And it's like, "Oh, when you uh, next week in a month? Yeah, well, we got this event, that event, and then I have to preach Sunday." And then, man, I got convicted, and I was like, "You know what? I don't have to preach. I get to preach." I get to do this. I, like, I was so convicted. I repented. I asked the Lord to forgive me. Like, man, I don't have to do this. God could use a donkey if he wants to, right? I don't have to. Believe me, my, my, my high school education from Grand Bois, God, I don't have to do this. God can definitely find way more qualified, gifted people than me. Man, I get to do this. Man, it's an honor. It's a privilege. And, man, I just, I, look, amen, it is. It is. And not just for me preaching up here, but for all of us. That, man, we actually, man, we get to speak the word of God. We get to be a part of changing people's lives. Man, when you think about the gravity of that, there's people that right now, they're on a, on a one-way ticket to hell. But if we encounter them, if, if we God places them in our path or somebody in our families and we talk to them and love on them, maybe somebody you invite to the Easter service and their eternity gets changed, man, we get to be a part of somebody's whole eternity existence changing. That's the greatest, that's the greatest assignment on planet earth. Amen. That's the, and I, I tell you from experience, it's the most fulfilling thing. Not just from leading people to Christ from this platform. I've had the honor and privilege to lead people to the Lord when I was a painter outside there, pray with people. You know, I talked to a young man yesterday on the phone. I pulled up at the gym and was making calls that I, I emails that I came in. And I talked to a young man and man was able to just lay out the gospel to him, you know, and just let him, hey man, we can, we can do this right now. And he's like, I'm going to think about it, but he's come. I got a meeting with him tomorrow. He's coming in tomorrow. I still get excited about that. Like, man, just as I laid the gospel out over the phone, a young man I never even met before. I'm hoping that that just primed the pump and tomorrow when he comes, I'm going to pray that he gets saved. Amen? That's exciting. It's a privilege to be a part of what God's doing on the earth. Amen? And again, kind of in, in, just in, in conclusion, I just want to remind you of, again, what we've been doing and what we've been talking about, especially Sunday this week. This is for every day personally, but, but I want to encourage you because Easter is one of the highest attended 
service of the year across America, not just at Family Life, but people go to church uh, Easter and, and, and Christmas. And so we just want to encourage you. Why, well, hey, why are you inviting, you know, inviting people to church and stuff? Yeah, but listen, this is biblical. Inviting people to stuff like this is biblical. Like, really? I've never seen somebody invite somebody to family life in the Bible. Well, no, not to family life. But you know what? Some, one pastor said it this way. You know, and it could be church. It could be at your house. Have a Matthew party. Have a Matthew party. Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 and 10, it says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later... Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why do your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy. You can add that to the list. Compassion and mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call those, not those who think they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. Matthew made a decision to follow Jesus. Then he invited Jesus over to his house and with his disciples. Then he invited all his tax collector friends and all his sinners. He invited them to where Jesus was going to be at. Hey, listen, I believe Jesus is at Family Life Church. I believe Jesus is going to be here Easter Sunday. Amen. And so, listen, we have these invite cards. Again, if you didn't receive one, maybe you did. Hey, bless the Lord. You might have given yours out already from Sunday. On your way out, you can pick up some more of these invite cards. It says Easter at Family Life. It has the directions, the service times, a little short synopsis of what they can expect, you know, uh, uh, child care and whatnot, some more information. So I want to encourage you. And not just not just Easter. This this is the big push we're making right now. But listen, you know what? Because you ever been in a place, walked in a place. Now, I know the Holy Spirit's in you. But you ever walked in a place and you think, I don't think the Lord's up in here. You ever had that experience? You ever had that, right? Uh, you could just tell. Like you walk in a place and you just feel it's dark. It's darkness. There's sin going on all around you, right? So sometimes it's good. you got to be a light in those places. But sometimes, you know, if you're a believer, I believe the, 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 the Spirit of God is in your house. should be. It should be peace, you know, in your house. It should feel the presence of God at your house. Maybe invite them to your house. Invite them to church. Invite them to the Easter service. Invite them to a life group. Amen? That's what Matthew did. Amen? And it was effective. Eventually, some of these people ended up getting saved. So we want to encourage you to do the same thing. Amen. And you listen, some Christians might ask you why you're spending time with people like that or why you're taking them to church. Remember, these are the people that Jesus came for. So that's the people I'm going after. Amen. Because it's our mandate. Amen. Why don't you stand up with me? Thank you, Lord. I just pray again that this would encourage you and motivate you to receive the, the, and, and embrace and understand the mandate on your life. But there might be some people in here tonight where you say, man, I'm not exactly sure, you know, I, you know, that, that God has put this mandate on me or this calling on this instruction on me because, man, I don't even know if I'm right with God. I, I don't really, I don't understand much what you're talking about or understand Christianity or I've just been coming to church. I'm, I'm not too sure, you know. It, because maybe you're like one of those people in Matthew 9, 36. I want to read that again. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused, they were helpless, and they were like a sheep without a shepherd. You know, maybe you feel like that tonight. 
Maybe you feel like you, you've, you've been just kind of, man, walk, walking through life aimlessly. Maybe you've been confused. Maybe you feel like, man, I, I, don't, I don't feel like God's God in my life. I don't, I don't, I don't feel like that, that I'm right with God. That maybe you're hurting, you feel helpless, and you know that there's more. What I've been talking about to the church tonight is that we have a mandate to tell people the good news. And the good news is that we all sin and fall short of God's glory, but Jesus came, he died on the cross for us to take our place, our punishment, and our penalty. That if we would confess our sins, the Bible says, and believe in Jesus, that word believe means to trust him. Like if you jump out of an airplane, you know, you would trust that that parachute would save your life. If you say, you know what, man, I don't know if I've ever done that. If you would do me a favor, with every head bowed and every eye closed, just if you say, Brandon, you know what, you've been talking about eternity and, and you know, what's going to happen after we die. And like I said, I was on a, had a one-way ticket to hell. The Bible talks about heaven and hell, and that's just the reality. I love you enough to tell you, like, hey, without Jesus, you will spend eternity separated from him. But he loves you so much. He loves you so much that he made a way for you to be with him in eternity and to have a fulfilling life, a life led by him. You don't have to walk through this life aimlessly no more. You can have a shepherd, a shepherd for your soul to help you and lead you. So if you say, Brandon, I'm not sure if I'm right with God tonight. I don't know if I died tonight, if today was my last day on earth, that I would, that I would, I would spend eternity with Jesus. I don't know where I would go when I die. If you're not sure and you said, man, Brandon, I want you to pray for me. I need to get right with God. Just slip up your hand. Say, I, I, that's me. I, need, I see your hand over here. Anybody else? Say, man, that's me. I, I want you, to, I, I want you to, to pray for me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Say, Brandon, I need to get right with the Lord. I, I want to make sure that I'm right with God. Okay, that, let, let's, let me ask you this. If, if you say, you know what, Brandon, I was, I, I was once saved. I was, I was once walking with the Lord. But you know what? I've, I've gone off the path. You know, I've, I've gone down a road that I know is not pleasing to the Lord and I've allowed things in my life and I've strayed away and I just want to, you know what, I want to, I want to re-surrender my life to the Lord. I, I just want to make sure that I'm right. If you say, you know, I just want to start fresh tonight. I want to have a do-over. If that's you, I just want you to slip your hand up and say, you know what, I've, I've strayed and I want to get back right with the Lord. I need to recommit my life. I see some hands over here, two hands over here. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else say, you know what, it's a new day. You know, the Lord gives us do-overs. That's a blessing. I see another hand going up. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's, let's pray for these right now that, that lifted their hands. And, and, and I want us to all pray together. And if you've prayed this prayer before and you raised your hand and said, I, I, you know what, I know I need to get right. I pray that this will be the last night that you pray it. And that you, this will be the time that you surrender and you make, you make things right with the Lord. If you raise your hand, I want you to just bow your head and pray this prayer with me. Let's all pray it together. Say, Lord Jesus, Lord, I know that you died for me. I know that you saved me. Lord, I'm sorry for going away. I'm sorry for doing my own thing. So, Lord, I ask that you forgive me, and I ask that you help me to stay on the path that you have for my life. I make you my Lord and Savior. Lead me, Lord. I want you to be my shepherd. Lord God, help me to embrace the mandate for my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, if you prayed that prayer, even if, if for the first time, or maybe again you recommitted your life, I, there's, a, there's a card in the pew in front of you that says, I made a decision. Even if you've prayed this prayer before, but it's been a while, just, just fill out that card, I made a decision. You can bring it to the lobby at the info center up here, and we want to pray for you. If you don't have a Bible, we want to give you a Bible. And for everyone else, let me just pray over you, and come on, let me just pray boldness over you with compassion and graciousness. Amen. How many of y'all want to live out the mandate for your life? 
How many of y'all say, hey, I know who I'm inviting to the Easter service? Maybe you've already invited some people and you got some more on your radar, amen? Come on, let's pray together. Father, I pray that, Lord God, we would embrace the mandate that is on our lives, Lord God, in Jesus' name, that we would walk in love, in compassion, that our conversations would be gracious and attractive for all those that hear it, Lord God. Give us the same compassion, Jesus, that you had for the lost, the hurting, the helpless, Lord God, the broken. Help us to see them the way you see them. Lord, give us boldness. Give us uh, wisdom, Lord God. We know that the, 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 the righteous are as bold as the lion. You say to be as cunning as a serpent, but as gentle as a dove, Lord God. Give us the balance of boldness with gentleness as well, Father God, that we can, Lord God, live out what you've called us and ordained us to do. We pray for an anointing to, to show people and tell people the good news about you, Lord Jesus. I pray your blessing, your grace to be upon everyone as they go tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. If you need prayer for anything tonight, the altars will be open. We'd be glad to pray with you. If not, have a wonderful night.